Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast. I'm Cody Fields, the president of the Noseminster family of guitar effects in Greenville, South Carolina. You can check us out at westminstereffects.com. Also, make sure you join the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge and join in the discussion on Facebook. You can follow us, comment, and share on Facebook and Instagram. Also, make sure you subscribe on iTunes and or Spotify or whatever podcast catcher you feel like and leave a five-star review. Also, uh, we are now officially past the Indiegogo campaign, so thanks to everybody who uh, supported that. We are, or I guess I, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Basically, it paid for hotel, flight, uh, transportation, all that kind of good stuff. So that is a tremendous help. Uh, John is not with us today. Uh, I guess December is just kind of nuts. So he sends his Christmas greetings. So I'm joined by... This is Bradley Cox. I'm the lead pastor at Resurrection Church in Greer, South Carolina. And church this week. What happened? I guess it's just the two of us talking about what happened at Res again. Uh, we had... Uh, how about you tee us up? It was it was your boy Brian Onkin who preached. My boy, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I have a a pastor in my life and a mentor, um, and his name is Brian Onkin. He leads a ministry called the River Upstate, which is a missions discipleship organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, the focus is supplementing. Um, dis- discipleship resources. Um, you know that the church. You know, churches typically um, find themselves in a place where they're unable to provide as much biblical teaching, theological training as they would like for their parishioners. And the River Upstate is one of the most amazing. Um, it, I don't know if you would even call it a parachurch. It's it's really just a discipleship ministry that offers classes for free uh, that you know just train people on how to read scripture. How to think well about Scripture, uh, diving deeply into books of the Bible and themes throughout Scripture, and um, so it's a great ministry. You should check it out, theriverupstate.org. But um, my friend and pastor Brian Onkin was with us, and he spoke from Galatians four, which I thought was a fantastic uh, message. Yeah, in he kind of crushed that. <laughs> in the fullness of time, God put forth His Son. Um, and he really got into the the context around that verse, and pointed out, you know, people typically at this time of year will say Jesus was born to die. And mm-hmm. Brian's, I feel like his big point was, yes, Jesus was born to die, but it was his, he was born to do more than that. He was born to adopt, right? Uh, because that's that's what's in Paul's mind. That's his train of thought in Galatians four. The end of chapter three and end of chapter four is that, you know, Jesus secured for us the blessing of Abraham, the promised spirit, which Paul says it's by the spirit that we cry, Abba, Father. Mm -hmm. Um, So a big part of the joy we celebrate at Christmas, he said, is our adoption into the family of God, into the kingdom of God. So it was a great day. Yeah, he made a, a big point about you're not just... A cleaned up sinner, you're adopted into the family. Yeah, uh, it's it's forgiveness is obviously crucial to the gospel, but it doesn't stop there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of times people stop there. And, and I've even kind of pushed that point. That kind of made me feel nice that Ankin said something that I've been saying in our life group, <laughs> where we've been kind of paralleling Romans in right. that study. 
And uh, obviously talking about justification, it's not just you get a clean slate. It's the slate's been filled for you. Exactly. With with nothing but perfect obedience. Which, you know, when you start to really think about that, it, it, it reveals or exposes how... I guess how we under-celebrate Christmas, um, you know, he pointed out, you know, some of the, you know, more prominent national holidays for here, here for us here in the States, like Memorial Day or Labor Day, July mm-hmm. 4th, and how, um, you know, some people just think of those days as times to get out and barbecue or, mm-hmm. you know, wrap up the summer vacation uh, when there's really story and history behind all those right. holidays that, that, you know, is fairly rich. Uh, but when it comes to Christmas, there's a lot of celebration going on. And for believers, that celebration should be really deep and rich when you understand that we've not just been forgiven. We've been a, a chosen and adopted and accepted into the family of God. And that's a big part of what we the joy we celebrate at Christmas, like I said. So... Yeah, and uh, let's see, music-wise, you played bass with us, correct? Only hit a few bad notes yeah. here and there. I, I had to think about it because then we we threw ourselves a curveball and had our practice for next week after church, and that just threw me off. Right, right. But yeah, music went pretty well, as far as I remember, because this weekend was a whirlwind, because my weekend involved Friday seeing Westminster artist Jacob Johnson, and then after... All the church happenings, Hems and Hops, another Westminster artist. And then after Hems and Hops, Wifey and I went to see Westminster artist Sean Locke with Neverfall at the radio room. So it was just kind of a blur. Um, also, I guess this would be a, an appropriate time to shout out my dad, who, as of, as of recording yesterday, had a kidney yanked out. Where uh, So <laughs> we were in the motherland of Mississippi uh, over Thanksgiving. And you want to talk about Providence... Uh, we gorged ourselves on steak and all manner of things at their friend's restaurant. Uh, it's it's not gluttony if it's feasting, right? That's how that works. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and uh, so he ate so much that he had this insane stomach pain because it caused a kink in his intestine. So I get a knock on my on the guest room door at my parents' house there in northeast Mississippi and my mom's like, Hey, your dad has this really bad stomach pain. We're gonna get him checked for appendicitis. And about six that morning she calls and she's like, So it wasn't the stomach that's the real problem because that's taken care of now. They found a mass on your dad's kidney. And uh but, you know, through uh, God's providence and doctor's skills, uh, <laughs> they uh, they were able to yank the kidney out yesterday, and there's no more cancer. Uh, he has a follow-up procedure on another kidney in a couple weeks, so uh, for those of you who feel like it, be praying about that, because he is a Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge member as well, <laughs> and a Westminster artist, because uh, he plays bass, and that's kind of how I started playing guitar. Hmm. is he uh, taught me my first couple chords, and then I was like, this is boring. I'm going to go play punk (laughs) and whip on power chords. And uh, so, yeah, shout out to Padre. uh, Well, I'll I'll see him here in a couple weeks, and maybe we'll get him on the podcast, I guess. Maybe we'll talk about worship because he he, uh, played bass in their church's band uh, two days before he had surgery. 
so we could talk about worship and cancer, but that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about a different C word. Uh, we're talking about Christmas again. <laughs> so uh, this was John's idea, even though he couldn't join us, is what are our Christmas traditions? And I was thinking, hey, let's talk about Christmas traditions uh, with the church and even then get into our own personal ones uh, and see how we just approach the holiday because everybody has something a little bit different. Mm. Uh, so I guess with our church, with Res, we don't do anything spectacular by any means, uh, but we do typically have the kids sing with us for at least a song, mm-hmm. uh, which isn't that unique, uh, except in most of the time when I hear about it or see it, it's usually phrased as, hey, these kids are going to perform something for us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's usually some kid dressed up as a shepherd and another kid dressed up as a camel or whatever. <laughs> uh, where here at Res, we're, we're saying, hey, they're going to help lead worship for a minute, which yeah. should make the Presbyterians happy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. So it's what? Kindergarten through fifth graders. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. And it's not, hey, they're going to act cute for us and we're just going to take video. It's this is part of the worship service. Right. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. how does all that work? Well, you know, like you said, Res is not a church that does a lot of production, um, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that that's bad. Right. Um, if, if if that's part of your church tradition, it's just not really part of our DNA. Um, we have we have it looks nice, and we have different lighting settings and yeah, pro sure. presenter and all that good stuff. But we just not. don't do dramas and and plays that much. I mean, we've done some here and there, but. You know, our emphasis really here is on the family, um, and I, and and worshiping together as a family. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, there, there's a lot of good reasons to have children, particularly preschool and elementary age children, uh, in age appropriate environments for Sunday morning worship and discipleship. Right. But I think as often as you can, it's a great thing for the whole church to worship together because the children are as much a part of the church as the adults are. And to be able to craft a service where we can be together and be a family and have the children participate with us, mm-hmm. um, you know, because sadly, a lot of what I see is that there you, you parents don't I, I, this is more prominent than than it should be. Is that parents don't incorporate a lot of discipleship and scripture reading and prayer and worship into the home? That uh, they they sort of rely on the church mm-hmm. to do that for them. Um, I can rant about that for a minute. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could too. I mean, and and it, it's it's really tragic. Oh yeah. But when the church comes together and we worship together, children and adults alike, um, I think it promotes and encourages, it reinforces uh, that this, this faith and trust in Jesus thing is something we can do together with our children, mm-hmm. not separate from them. That's one of the things I think was so cool about our renovation this summer when we all moved into the activity center and children and adults alike were together kind of forced <laughs> yeah forced to do that for a whole summer it was really really good mm-hmm. and i heard a lot of parents comment on that so that's the idea behind the children you know helping us lead worship uh being a part of worship um on for our christmas service and um like i said we've been you know every year we have an advent emphasis and theme you know we we do the whole candle lighting 
uh, we read scriptures. Uh, this year we've incorporated some Advent prayers mm-hmm. where the church reads the prayers together. Uh, and, you know, we're... We're gonna have a thread every year. This this year, our thread was Christmas in the in the letters of Paul. Uh, we've started with Philippians. Brian taught from Galatians four mm-hmm. this past week. I'm gonna teach from Second Corinthians uh, eight this week, uh, and then Pastor Bar will teach from Colossians one. Uh, the last week we bumped Advent back a week because of the snow that we had here and had to cancel service. And, so. and for those of you in the north who are making fun of us, remember you're the ones who have heat strokes at eighty degrees. That's right. So and we got eight inches, so it was yeah. And it was and it wasn't just snow; it was gross. It was ice and all that kind of stuff. It was it was kind of pathetic. Where uh, you know I've talked about our dumb dogs on the show, uh, where we have a hundred pound newfie. And then we have a 10-pound Pomeranian. And obviously, the Newfie's not going to have any problem walking through that. But the Pomeranian is so light, he would take a few steps and still be on top of the ice. And then his next step, he'd have a, he'd have a leg plow through the top. And it was just so pathetic. Mm. <laughs> He's like, I just want to pee. Yeah. I just want to make some yellow snow and be done with it. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, Christmas traditions in the Cox household. What does Christmas morning or even Christmas Eve going into proper Christmas day look like for you? Well, you know, our extended family is a big part of our Christmas. We're mm-hmm. um, Christmas Eve will be with my my parents, my sister, my grandmother. Um, we'll share a meal. We'll give gifts. Uh, my dad usually um, comes up with some sort of skit that he teaches the kids that will. You know, they they don't use a whole lot of props or anything. Sure. It's usually pretty simple. <laughs> yeah. But the kids will act out something related to the Christmas story. There's usually a funny element. Mm-hmm. At times, he's written a song. Like he'll take a traditional Christmas song and change the words. It's funny and yeah. teach the kids. And so they'll perform for us. We'll read uh, the Christmas story usually from Luke, mm-hmm. and then we give gifts. And um, and then Christmas Day, we're home. Yeah. And just. Really, you know, myself, my wife, my two kids, anybody that's in town is welcome to come to my house. But my goal on Christmas morning is not to get out of my pajamas until after lunch. Uh, like just that sounds like a normal work day for me. Though. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true for you. But no, we're just home with the family. Um, we we you know usually read scripture together. We have prayer. We do our we we have. We always have some sort of Advent emphasis that we do in our home, and so we'll do that. And then um, there'll be some, again, some gift opening uh, at our house. And then usually sometime late Christmas Day, we head to my wife's family. Mm-hmm. Um, and very similar there, we share a meal, um, we read scripture, we we sing a lot at my wife's really? family. They're, they're, my wife's side of the family is more musical than my side of the family sure. and so we'll usually break out hymn books and you know there'll be mm. seven part harmony going on <laughs> uh, in the living room between all the family that's there how many is normally there well it depends on how many of the cousins can come but it, you know it could be anywhere from you know 12 to 20 um, people it depends on how many okay. you know actually come but uh, we'll sing and uh, share good food and and um, yeah, just be together, relax, you know. And at some point, I'll do something just me and my wife. Uh, we'll usually go out and get a babysitter and just have some mm-hmm. time. That's 
a big part of our gift to each other is just the gift of time. Yeah. Um, and you know, we'll maybe do a small present, but we just we just like being together. Yeah. So, yeah. What about you? Uh, so the Fields household is typically pretty stripped down. I've come to value uh, being able to just chill on holidays, you know. Uh, so even um, when Kristen and I were in Mississippi for Thanksgiving, uh, the last several years, we've kind of come to this realization like, this is a ton of work <laughs> with, with all this cooking. Um, so for Thanksgiving, we actually went out to eat, and it was still traditional. Uh, where my parents have a friend who owns a restaurant. This is a different restaurant than the one that produced <laughs> the kidney cancer diagnosis. Uh. So on Thanksgiving, we went to this uh, little podunk town. Uh, what was it? Rienzi? Where it's just this little town out in the middle Never of nowhere. Of yeah, you, you shouldn't have. <laughs> Whereas uh, Tupelo, Mississippi is about 45 minutes south mm-hmm. of my parents. Mm-hmm. Most people know Tupelo because that's where Elvis Presley grew up. Yep. Um, and we've we've done the Elvis Museum and been to his house and all that kind of stuff, um, which is kind of crazy. Like, liter- not a two-bedroom house, but a two-room house mm. is what he grew up in with an outhouse and all that kind of stuff. Wow. Uh, but anyway, uh, so Thanksgiving was very chill. We went out to eat and we came back home and watched football. Mm. Um, Christmas typically, uh, you know, now that we have two sides of the family being married (laughs) Mm. and one side is in a different time zone, Madre and Padre hurry up and move back. Uh, Amen. Get get on that. Uh, Yeah, even Bradley wants you here. (laughs) I do. I do. (laughs) And they, and never mind. And Uh, not just because Stan plays bass. Right. (laughs) I I really do like you guys. But, but for real, the whole bass playing is a little helpful for us right now. Um, so, you know, usually we'll kind of split it up between uh, Kristen's side of the family and then my side of the family, whatever. Um, Christmas Eve often, if, if it's with my family, because I have an aunt and uncle here, um, will be like finger foods and gifts. That's about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then our Christmas tradition that we've developed over the years, at least if it's my family, involves going to a movie, you know, maybe Star Wars or whatever, and a la A Christmas Story, eating Chinese food. <laughs> wow. <laughs> With the fa-ra-ra-ra-ra's. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. And, uh, yeah, that so, funny. so that's pretty much our Christmas I cannot tradition. fit Chinese food into Christmas. That's yeah. like... What? Well, when, when you'll right. shoot your eye out, you can, <laughs> you can fit it in. And uh, <laughs> oh my goodness! So I'm I don't know how we're gonna fit Chinese food into Christmas Day. It might have to be the day after Christmas. Might have to be Christmas Eve. But that's the goal is is to fit Chinese food in there because I know we'll with with Kristen's family, um, it'll end up being a more traditional. Yeah. lunch or dinner or something. I don't know exactly what's going to go on with that, but there will be gifts there. And this year, I actually appreciate this a lot, is we did an online Secret Santa where everybody was assigned randomly a person with a spending limit. So you're pretty much guaranteed to get one good gift <laughs> yeah. as opposed to, hey, let me take a shot in the dark here. Mm-hmm. And, and and especially with, you know, like I don't know uh, my brother-in-law Kristen's sister's husband all that well yeah uh, so if I had gotten him I didn't but if I had gotten him that could have been pretty awkward trying to figure out what to get him so instead mm. uh, uh, 
you know, good call, Tyler, on, yeah. on that one. So it was like, oh, hey, here's what I want. I can upload the list. And uh, by the way, my wife had me, so I just told her, which got really convenient. So I've already <laughs> even seen my gifts because I helped pick out uh, yeah. everything, really. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much uh, Christmas in, in the Fields household is I try and keep it as simple as possible, you know. Do you find that gift giving has become more difficult? It depends. I think it really depends on the person. So, uh, no, uh, like I'm not obviously not trying to disparage my sister-in-law who I got (laughs) in Uh the Secret Santa, but she ended up with like makeup and stuff like that. And I would not have thought at all to do something like that. Uh, But with someone like uh, my dad, for example, um, him with him growing up in Mississippi uh, during the 70s, he grew up watching Archie Manning play yeah. for the Saints, yeah. whereas I've always been a Peyton Manning fan. So one, one year for Christmas, it might have been for Christmas or Father's Day, I don't know, I ended up getting him an Archie Manning jersey. Yeah. You know, so it all depends, I think. Um, I think for me, like, the struggle... You know, we were talking before we started recording that some some of my views of of Christmas traditions have evolved over the years. Yeah. But you know, with when it comes to gift giving, there's if I'm honest, there's a bit of a love hate relationship that I have with it right oh, now yeah. because it you know over time it just sort of evolves into this practical practical meeting of needs mm-hmm. you know uh and i say needs very loosely sure uh because you know like i i might need like this year i needed some pants right okay so you know my mom asked me what do you want for christmas i'm like mom i need pants and here's where you go to buy them mm-hmm. you know or you know my even even with our children you know when the grandparents are asking what what do they need for christmas or we're thinking about what the kids need for christmas we're thinking about okay let's get a couple of things that they want and then let's let's use this money we've set aside for christmas to buy some of the things that we need like sh- they need like shoes or and, right. and so this the, the the practicality of it i get it it's important you we've almost maybe at least in this part of the world we rely on it you know yep. i saw a a meme the other day that had a picture of hole of, of underwear and socks with holes holes in them. Yes, and yes. the meme said, "Hold on for one more week or yeah, something like yeah, that." Exactly. You know, and and I get it. You know, it's like we look through our underwear and sock drawer and we go, "Man, we got to get some replacements here," and mm-hmm. rely on grandma or mom or right wife or sister or whoever to sort of help you with that. Uh, for me, asking for gifts has gotten more difficult. Because typically, I'll try and think of something, you know, fun. Mm-hmm. But now that I build guitar effects, I just build it. Yeah, right. <laughs> if, I, if I want something, I develop the product. Well, and, that's another part of it, too. Yeah. We don't need a lot. Right, right, exactly. And, and, and I think what's eroded a little bit, at least, not t- entirely, but it, I'd say from my own experience, what's eroded somewhat is the... The giving of gifts as an expression of love and appreciation, yes, yes. joy, gratitude for a person, uh, as opposed to let me let me give them something materialistic that they'll really love, mm-hmm. or let me meet a practical need in their life. And it's kind of become an obligatory thing too. E- exactly. And and maybe you can speak to this with with having kids. Is there's almost a lot of times like a 
almost like a pee-in contest of who, uh, totally. who can get the most. Totally. And and that's kind of irked me uh, seeing, you know, kids where it's just like... And, and I won't lie, my parents were pretty generous <laughs> with, with Christmas. Mine too. Uh, but Still at, are. At the same time, would it have been more beneficial... Um, yeah, my parents still are too. Uh, would it have been more beneficial to simplify that and have a couple of decent things as opposed to a truckload of, mm. of toys that they're not going to play with within the next week or so? Yeah, and, and, it, and it, be, it can become, especially when my kids were younger, I saw this sensory overload. It's like they don't even know how to process oh, yeah. all that they get. And mm-hmm. that's a, you know, that's a first world problem that we have yep. that, you know, I think it's good for us to step back as much as we can and go, okay, wh- why are we giving gifts? Yep. And, and how can we recapture the real heart of the Christmas season by giving gifts mm-hmm. that express love and appreciation and gratitude. I mean, if I'm honest, um, I, I think when it comes to some of my closest friends, mm-hmm. that's the part of Christmas that I enjoy the most. Sure. Because, you know, where with family, it tends to be about, okay, well, what do you need? What can I get you? And then mm-hmm. you go get it. But with some of my closest friends, that requires me to pause, stop, think, and go, okay, how can I, what can I give them to express my appreciation? And I think that gets into where it's become this obligatory thing with family. It's expected, like, yeah. dang straight, you're going to get whoever mm-hmm. a gift. Mm-hmm. But if, if it's totally voluntary, mm-hmm. then that, huh, it's like that's exactly kind of what God did is it was voluntary. He didn't have to do that. Exactly. And uh, he was under no obligation or coercion. You know, since we can totally coerce God into doing stuff. Exactly. Um, you know, since you know, since we here at Res are totally in the Word of Faith stream. <laughs> Don't say that. Sin- can we put a beep on that? <laughs> yeah, John, just bleep that out mm. in, in in the editing process. You know, since we can totally coerce God into doing stuff. Exactly. Um, you know, since you know, since we here at Res are totally in. The- don't say that. Sin- Can we put a beep on that? <laughs> yeah, John, just bleep that out mm. in, in, in the editing process. He'll uh, he'll probably be too busy laughing to even hear us <laughs> say to bleep that out. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the the obligatory thing it, it it's kind of gotten under my skin too recently. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I don't know. Maybe now that you've talked about, you know, hey, it's become this needing. What do you need? Oh, hey, I need socks or a jacket. Or um, usually my mom ends up doing something pretty practical. What did we get her? I don't even remember what we got her this year. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, like for my dad, we got a, <coughs> I got an email from my sister that said that mm-hmm. dad had mentioned something about wanting Bluetooth earbuds mm-hmm. uh, for his morning walks. And, um, you know, they're about, X number of dollars to buy. Would you want to go halvesies on that? Yep, you know, and so that. yeah, absolutely. And there's yeah. a part of me like just I don't know, maybe the the busy fleshly part of me that just goes, oh, that's great. I can throw some money at this thing that mm-hmm. she's already got, and I'm you know pretty much done with my dad. And yeah, and that's sad to me because it's it's. And I'm not. I'm again. I'm not saying that doing such things is bad, evil, shameful, wicked. I'm just saying I think you know. It, to the degree that we could recapture 
the 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 beautiful biblical organic you know reason for giving gifts uh, the better um, right. as opposed to just you know mm-hmm. let's let's restock the closet let's restock the sock drawer mm-hmm. let's let's you know or or let's you know get into a peeing contest where we can see who can buy the most extravagant whatever right uh, and there's nothing wrong there's nothing wrong with a heartfelt practical needs meeting gift exactly like if I'm not saying that yeah you know, say say if uh, if our dishwasher broke down and one of our sets of parents said, hey, we're going to get you a dishwasher for Christmas and we don't have to take that expense on ourselves. Great. Exactly. <laughs> um, but there's also something to be said for something even, I think, that maybe points directly to Jesus. Yeah. Uh, maybe we need, this might be the nerd coming out. It's Correction, this is definitely the nerd coming out in me. Um where I've gotten in the habit of asking for books, particularly by dead guys, yeah, uh, for Christmas. Where <clears throat> with Christmas or Kristen and the Secret Santa thing, I ended up asking for a a volume of the Apostolic Fathers hmm. uh, because I'm a total dork for those first and second century guys. You know, you got uh, Polycarp hanging out with John. Or Clement, who, well, you know, obviously there's the criticism of, well, maybe First Clement wasn't actually written by Clement, whatever. Um, but the fact that he was mentioned in Romans, mm. like, I, I like that kind of stuff. And you get that snapshot of the very early church, which was much more developed than what a, a lot of the secular historians will say. Like, you've got such huge concepts of uh, First Clement talks about election. Mm-hmm. That didn't just pop up in Augustine. It popped up in Paul and yeah. John right. and really even in the prophets. Um, you've got the deity of, of Christ fleshed out yeah. uh, in, in a fully orbed pre-Nicene fashion. Yep. You know, it's not, it's not necessarily uh, Nicholas punching Arius in the face, maybe or maybe not at the Council of Nicaea, but it's definitely there. And the faith that we're talking about now is extremely similar to what you got going on in something like the Didache. Mm-hmm. You know, so, yeah, so that's what I asked for because... It, would, it, would, it wouldn't be a Westminster podcast if we didn't get into <laughs> some of that right there. That's true, that's true. You know, and another thing about uh, gift giving that also ties in with our traditions here at Res is every year we partner with a, a local elementary school to... Oh, that's right. Um, <clears throat> you know, serve, they, they you know, our, the public school has a subsidized meal program, and, and through that they're able to identify anywhere from 15 to 25 families in the school that, you know, have significant need. Um, and so during the school year, we'll deliver food to those families that they give us. And at Christmas time, our people buy those children gifts. Mm-hmm. And one of the cool things is we do every year is when the when the gifts are brought into the church, the Sunday before we give them to the families, we always pray over them, which we did on Sunday. Yep. Um, and the thought of our prayer is that look, these are natural things, but we're praying over natural things, believing, uh, according to Scripture, that God. God will just break into those homes and families with his presence and peace and and love. And what was so cool, you don't know this yet, but yesterday 
really the last two days, um, the families have been coming to the church to pick up their presents. And oh, so those aren't being dropped off. No, then. no, okay. we we actually let them come here to pick them up um, because you know we don't want we want to give the parents the opportunity to mm-hmm. get them uh, and you know I don't know hide them or whatever whatever they want to do. Sure, uh, we want to give the parents that opportunity. <clears throat> but these families are coming by and three several times in the last two days, my assistants come and gotten me because there's a mother, mother and a father that are here. They come and get the gifts, and they're just in tears. I mean, yeah. broken in with just humility and gratitude. Um, one and and so I went out several times over the last two days. I've gone and prayed with these families, uh, and just to see the smiles on their faces, the expressions of gratitude. One family I pl- I prayed with yesterday uh, actually had their little girl. I think was seven with them. Uh, and she has just come through a battle with cancer. Mm. Uh, she still had no hair. I, she, they showed me her chemo port. Yeah. Uh, and um, a scar where they actually had to remove her ovary at age seven. Wow. Because it was filled with cancer. And But the mother said, you know, praise God, she's cancer-free right now. The, the treatments have worked. And... Uh, but it was just such a sweet moment to pray with this family who, and, and I'm not trying to stereotype, but just obvious, but mm-hmm. what they're wearing, what they're driving, the condition of their vehicle and other things, that this is obviously a family in need. But yet they were so thankful for the gifts and so thankful that their daughter is cancer-free and we got to pray together. And that was just such a really cool thing that we get to do here at Res every year. Yeah, it is. It is. And I, I haven't really been involved with that ministry, so I don't really know all of what goes into it. So that's that's good to hear about, and uh, maybe it could be something somebody takes takes and runs with at their own church. Absolutely, whoever's listening. Absolutely. Um, so speaking of gift giving, okay, parents, if you are listening to this with your children, we're about to get a little controversial with a fat guy in a red suit. Depending on what you do, <laughs> you might want to turn this off. In three, two, one. Okay, you've had enough time, so anything past this is on you. Um, so, Bradley, we, well, uh, as Pastor John addressed the Santa Claus thing last week, mm-hmm. um, I've been pretty set on this for a while, mm-hmm. um, and you said that you've kind of evolved on this and it, it sparked a, a pretty lively discussion <laughs> and and there were uh, a couple people who were like yeah, I don't know and there were a couple who were like yes you were absolutely right and then there were a couple who were like you are dead wrong and I want you to know you're dead wrong uh, now those those people that you know said that I and Piper were dead wrong like we're cool we're not holding anything against each other right right, right. Uh, that that thing has you know we've we've made sure of all of that but mm. uh, but the Santa thing at Christmas, uh, maybe what's your approach uh, since you said that you've evolved fairly recently on it? Well, you know, I grew up with Santa Claus. Yeah, know? I did too. Um, it, it, it was a big part of our family's tradition. Um, and, you know, probably I had an appendicitis one year at Christmas when I was a little boy. Mm. Uh, actually spent Christmas Day in the hospital 
um, because back then, you know, this, you, you, it wasn't an in and out thing. You right. Know, I was in the hospital for a couple of days. Uh, but, you know, that was sort of when the cat was let out of the bag, so to speak, as far as Santa Claus goes, because <laughs> you got all that at one we, time. <laughs> we were actually at my grandparents, which is, you know, about, you know, a couple hundred miles away from my home. And when we got home a day or two after Christmas, um, I saw my parents scrambling to wrap all of my quote unquote Santa Claus presents. Oh, no. So, it, you know, that's when it sort of, you know, that tradition as it was ended for me and but I don't remember that being a very traumatic mm-hmm. emotional thing I was kind of like oh yeah I kind of figured that anyway um, but we just candidly uh, my wife and I as our children have grown up my, my son is 12 my daughter is 9 um, we in their early years we, we did the whole Santa Claus mm-hmm. thing and uh, and then the more recent uh, uh you know, thing with the elf on the shelf. We've done that too. We still move that elf around, which is something I loathe doing at <laughs> right before bedtime. It's like my wife and I look at each other. All right, who's going to deal with the elf? Um, but you know, where I've evolved on it is, you know, you could just hold that, you know, the elf's uh, head under water in the sink and drown him, you know, <laughs> and then be done with him forever. <laughs> Or that escalated make, quickly. You can make a little noose or something. Yeah. I don't know. Or or even like have him uh, next to an electrical socket with a fork. <laughs> <laughs> Say sorry. You, you need to like write me a, some ideas. Yeah. That'd be sorry, funny. sorry, guys. He uh, he accidentally fried himself last oh, night. Man. <laughs> but I, I guess I just say all that to let people know honestly where I'm at um, with it in terms of what we've done, but where I've evolved on it. I've never been one of these guys to just quickly throw away things because, you know, I don't know. I've just seen people do that too much. I've seen Mm -hmm. people get so crazy about Christmas trees and trying to tie them to pagan, you know, occultic practices. Which is an absurd argument to make in the first place. It's dumb. I've just, I've been in churches where that's been preached uh, and we just need to do away with, you know, all Christmas traditions altogether. Um, and it, the tooth fairy included. And, and it's like, I, I've just never been one to jump on that train. But what, what I've realized raising children mm-hmm. is the difficulty that children have separating fantasy from reality. And the, 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 as my children have grown up, I've seen, you know, we, we just, it's, it's hard to talk about Santa Claus as you know reality like you, you're going to tell them he's real you're going to tell them that he's literally going to come down the chimney mm-hmm. uh, and leave presents for you um, you're going to talk about it that way and then also try to talk about the story of Jesus right and and then how are they going to separate the two mm-hmm. you know how are they going to how are they going to distinguish between the real story of Christ coming Christ advent and this fat guy in a red suit coming down the chimney every year. Right. And um, so, you know, now we've gotten to the point where we, we've helped our kids understand that, look, this whole Santa Claus thing is fantasy, and we can play the game like we would play a game um, around superheroes, mm-hmm. pretending to be superheroes, um, you know, pretending, uh, like, you know, my son is a big Star Wars fan. And, you know, he, he will love to pretend, get his toy lightsabers out and pretend mm-hmm. he's a Jedi. 
And and I don't see any problem with that. I don't see any problem with that kind of imagine imaginary play. Um, and and even having the elf on the shelf, as much as I hate moving it, being a being a, a fun game that we play. Where's the elf going to be? But I I'm at the point now where I think it's important that my children understand this is fantasy, this is pretend, and this this story of Christ is real. Yes. And I want them to understand that difference. I I think that's important. And if I had it to do over with again. Um, it, and I told you before the show, I think it's hard when, when a child's one or two, it's really hard mm-hmm. to explain to them the difference between fantasy and real. I mean, crap, even five, six, seven a lot of times. Yeah, exactly, which is why Piper would argue it's better not to even bring the whole Santa thing up. Right. Um, and and I'm not going to sit here and say I think Piper's wrong on that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I hear him on that part. Um, where I'm at now, and, and some some people in our church have come to me and asked me as their pastor what they should do. And my my counsel right now has been as soon as possible, mm-hmm. um, sooner rather than later. Let help your children understand that the story of Santa Claus is fantasy, like Superman, uh, like Batman. Like the Ninja Turtles, yep, uh, and it's fun, and we can play that game. But we need to understand the difference between that and the story of Jesus. Um, that's where I land on it, and um, and you know, on a practical note, I think it, you know, it's it. A few years ago, I decided it's just high past time that my kids understand that I'm buying the presents. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you know, uh, um, you know, they they at one point in. In their early years, they asked me, you know, like, you know, why can't Santa just bring us this or that? And I'm like, it costs too much. Well, Santa's bringing it. And I'm like, well, Santa sends a bill, you know, uh, an invoice for all this stuff. But, <laughs> and, and that's when I, part of, you know, when I started to realize, look, we need to change, we need to change some things here because I just, you know, it's fun and I, I love seeing my kids pretend. I mean, there's something beautiful and innocent sure. about that. And, and, I don't want to lose that to a certain degree, but at the same time, I think they need to understand the difference between fantasy and real. And what I know is, is that it wasn't hard to help them understand that you know Superman, uh, all you know, all those kinds of things are pretend; they're not mm-hmm. real. It's and that's okay that we have fun with those kinds of right. things, but we need to we need to be able to differentiate. <clears throat> well, even Jesus told parables. About exactly. like the Good Samaritan was not a literal person. Exactly. The Good Samaritan was purely parabolic to teach a lesson, mm-hmm. just like we get from stuff like Batman or, I guess I don't really like care for Superman, but whatever. <laughs> um, so and people should understand it's it's kind of like the reckless love episode. Mm-hmm. We're not saying that if you do Santa Claus that you're going to hell. No, not, that's, not at all. That's I, I I would not go there. Now I do think. Uh, the emphasis on Santa is troubling. It is. Um, and, and especially if you are presenting something as real that is not real. Like if, if you are literally saying, hey, there is an actual guy flying around the world and this is actually going to happen, uh, I have I have issues with that because the it's not... Dishonest. It's, it's not true. The Bible literally says don't lie to each other. And if you're lying yep. to your kids... Yep. 
that's even more problematic. And, you know, we all know what Jesus said about if you cause a child to stumble, yeah. it, it would be better for you to just sink to the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> and and I, I would encourage our listeners, you know, don't be dismissive of those kind of things. I mean, I think some people hear, you mm-hmm. know, what Cody just said and they kind of go, oh, you're taking it too far. And I don't think so. I think, you know, we, we need to we need to be people who error on the side of taking the Bible literally and saying, right. you know what, we, we, we're we not going to be dishonest. <laughs> we should probably our... take Jesus at his word. <laughs> I, exactly. I mean, like, wh- why would we say that, oh, Jesus, you know, Jesus wouldn't apply that to something like Santa Claus. And I'm like, I don't know about that. I think, you know, the, the Christmas story is so rich and wonderful and beautiful. And um, I, I just honestly got tired of feeling like I had to squeeze it in yeah. between, you know, um, talking about Santa. Mm-hmm. And now, now, tell me what you think about this. We didn't talk about this before we started recording. And I don't think we've had this conversation before anyway. Okay. Is my my thought on the Santa situation is, is when you say, hey, if you are good, this all-knowing being will give you stuff. That seems to me like a direct uh, correlation to the prosperity gospel, where if you're good, hmm. this guy who knows everything mm. will make sure that you have these material things mm-hmm. that you specifically asked for. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, obviously, uh, since I have a product called the Osteen Distortion, everybody knows <laughs> exactly <laughs> how I feel about that, is it's simply not true. Mm. Um, and if, and, and maybe I'm off base. Uh, but it seems to me that that kind of promotes the materialistic moralism that we already have so rampant in America, anyway, and just materialism in general. Right. Um, and I know I think you're I think you're right. I think there's an anti-gospel in the story of Santa mm-hmm. that you know you know why would we? And I think this is the heart of what Piper was bringing up is that why would we mm-hmm. dilute the gospel with this? You know, it, it, it really is, Cody. I mean, it, it, it's, it's a materialistic thing where if I'm good, if I behave, um, you know, it's a, it's a, it, it could even be equated with more of a works righteousness kind yeah, of. Yeah, absolutely. Not just a prosperity gospel, which, you know, is, is bad enough, but a works righteousness. You know, Paul says in Galatians, you know, you, if, if you want to accept circumcision, for example, as, you know, a way that mm-hmm. you can earn favor with God, well, you're, Christ is of no advantage to you. You're going to be required to keep the whole law. Mm-hmm. You're cut off from grace. Yeah. And, you know, how, how can we turn the, the, the story of Santa into a message of grace? It's really hard. You've really got to, you know, kind of unravel some of the, 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 the most um, common traditional elements of the Santa narrative to, to really talk about grace because it is you're, you're either on the naughty list or the mm-hmm. nice list and if you're on the nice list you're going to get a lot of really good stuff mm-hmm. and there is the point of Christmas um, no it's not the point of Christmas it's you know for God so loved the world he gave his son right the world did nothing to earn that and if, and if we talk about the real Saint Nicholas his focus was on Jesus like, yes you know go punch a heretic yeah yeah <laughs> where, where he was you know, and maybe that story happened, maybe it didn't, but still, he was he was vocal about 
uh, you know, what we would call the hypostatic union, the, mm. the uh, divinity of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we don't need to dress up Christmas with more magic. Like you've, you've talked, and I think Brian Onkin talked last Sunday about how you believe the incarnation is the greatest miracle that's ever happened. Mm-hmm. And you can, you can compare, say, uh, Lord of the Rings or the Chronicles of Narnia or if you want to get into video gaming world, since I like story-based games, like I would, I'd rather play out a story-based video game than watch a TV show. My, just personally, mm-hmm. uh, so something, uh, you know, with uh, magic and stuff, stuff like Skyrim, or I, I know you I know no exactly idea. what I'm talking no about. Uh, but big, big open-world stuff where you can basically do whatever you want, and then you know it involves magic and wizards and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, if you actually boil it down, that the coolness of, oh, hey, I can throw fire around <laughs> or Gandalf popping in and out mm-hmm. and fighting with whatever monsters they're fighting with. Um, that actually ends up kind of paling in comparison with God putting on flesh and fulfilling a righteous requirement. Mm. Maybe I'm crazy, <laughs> but they call it the greatest story ever told for a reason. Mm. And a fat guy eating your cookies and coming, why would he come down your chimney anyway? But well, and it's just, know, it's just Piper even used the word pathetic. It it really is. And the more I think about it, the more I agree with him. And you know, I'm I'm going to talk this week from Second Corinthians eight, where it's the example of the Macedonians mm-hmm. who gave. Like, it, it, here's what it. Uh, that was from when they gave out of their poverty, but they were still ridiculously generous, right? Exactly. Yeah. It says they're out out of their extreme poverty this is Paul's words mm-hmm. out of their extreme poverty flowed a wealth of generosity yeah and I'm like how does those how do those two things coexist mm-hmm. extremely poor but full of generosity right how does that even happen well Paul goes on to talk about he says Christ became poor so that you might become mm-hmm. rich and what does that mean here's here and lies one of the most crucial elements of the Christmas story is that Christ, who was accustomed to since before the beginning of time, this huge, massive intimacy with the Father, where mm-hmm. he enjoyed abundance of joy and intimacy with the Father. And he set that as it's not that he didn't enjoy intimacy with the Father on earth. He did, but in a much smaller measure than he was accustomed to. Mm-hmm. And so in the garden, he prays, Father, restore to me the glory that I had with you in the beginning. Mm-hmm. That's the joy that's set before him, is that glory, yeah. that intimacy. And so what's the what's the gospel story? The gospel story is because of that, because he became poor so that we might become rich. Rich in what? Not in material things. Right. Not in money. Not $200,000 Lamborghinis. <clears throat> yeah, we'll leave that alone. <laughs> but we can become rich in intimacy with the Father, in joy and peace, and, and you know, uh, in the kingdom of God. That's the story of Christmas. Right. And the Santa story, the more you look at it, in its, in its purest form, the more you look at it is... It, it's it's the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. It's 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 I behave so I get more stuff, as opposed to no I'm I am by faith trusting this Jesus who became poor, 
so that I might become rich, not in material things, but rich in such a way that material things don't even matter to me, so that I could be like a Macedonian person who, in even in extreme poverty and great affliction, Paul says, I beg to give in the offering because of the grace that I've experienced. Yeah. And that's like, that's what we're going to talk about Sunday at Res. And um, yeah, that in and of itself makes me question, you know, just what good comes from the Santa story. Right. Um, I don't think really any if it's taught as though it's real. Right. Uh, and maybe uh, another follow-up listening for those of you who haven't heard it is episode 22 where we talked about gear acquisition syndrome. Mm-hmm. You know, how content are you with the stuff that you have? So, yeah, on that note, uh, recommended reading, listening, watching, various and sundry consumption. Yeah, I am going to recommend a an Ask Pastor John uh, that is along the lines of what we were talking about uh, in the first part of the episode today um, regarding gift giving. Um, there, it's an Ask Pastor John called Why Do We Give Christmas Gifts? And as John Piper typically does, you know, he says that gift giving is biblical, but there's always probably a better way to do it. Nothing we do is perfect. There's always a better way to do it. And, right. and so I think there's some really good nuggets in that um, that might help us revisit gift giving, at least, yeah. you know, think better about it, more intentional about it so that Christ is honored and magnified in our gift giving. And it's not just a commercial materialistic thing that we do every year. And my recommended listening this week is, as I mentioned previously, I saw Jacob Johnson and he has an entire Christmas album on Spotify. So Wild and Sweet, a Christmas album by Jacob Johnson, uh, which is actually our outro song. If you are actively writing and performing music and would like to be an official Westminster artist, and even get your song played at the end of one of these podcasts, fill out our application at westminstereffects.com. Here is Christmas Time Is Here by Jacob Johnson. Thanks for listening and Merry Christmas.
One take Jake. That's what they call me. That's true. Now are you going to tape it this time or?